0: state your team your show this is sports nightly adrian goes under center this time mills the deep back turn and toss it to mills off the left side he's to the 10 step arm to man five dives he is in touchdown nebraska Diedrick mills finds the end zone from 14 yards out now let's check the pulse of husker nation with your hosts Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Thank you. Welcome back. Hope you had a great holiday weekend. The unofficial end of summer. But boy, by the way, the turn of the weather in our state in the last 24 hours kind of slammed the door on summer, didn't it? Wow. Good to be back with you here tonight. Short week, just the four days, but we're really excited about the upcoming weekend because we're going to launch on Saturday um, a complete season of Husker football. We're going to go back in time to the 1994 Husker football season, Tom Osborne's first national championship team at Nebraska, and we're going to each Saturday during the fall play back a game, start to finish, and this week it will start with a kickoff classic, the game with with West Virginia at the Meadowlands, in New Jersey, and then we'll move on to week two, then week three, then week four as we move through the fall. And so on a lot of these fine affiliates of ours, you'll be able to hear Husker football from 1994 every Saturday afternoon, beginning at one o'clock central time. And this is going to be a blast to, to go back and relive that season. Uh, listen to Kent Pavelka on the call of that season, and we'll also sprinkle in some conversations with players from that team. Um it'll be about oh probably about a five hour broadcast, somewhere right around there. Four and a half to five hours, um starting with, you know, about a thirty to forty minute pregame show. Uh then the game halftime show. Even we've even secured President Ted Carter to come on and update us on university happenings each halftime, like we would do during a, a normal Husker football season. And then we'll have a postgame show that uh, We'll even open up the phone lights for you if you want to call and reminisce about that game. We'll also, throughout the day, keep you up to date on the college football world that's going on this year with the conferences that are playing. So we'll have some scoreboard updates throughout the afternoon. So we're excited to be able to roll that out starting on Saturday with the West Virginia game. And Ben, I know you're you're looking forward to getting a chance to just sit down and talk uh, throughout the fall with guys from that 94 team and kind of reflect back on what had to be a really special time in all those guys' lives. Yeah, I've I've heard a lot from from some of the guys, you know
1: that that obviously Brendan, who is my co-host, and we talk to him, um, you know every Saturday. But and I've heard his perspective, but to just hear some some different voices on that team that maybe have had a different perspective, and you know I think add a, a different dimension to um, to the broadcast that, that will make it will make it fun. So yeah, I mean it's always nice to be able to talk to the to the former guys that can reminisce and, you know, tell those stories that our fans love to hear. And, uh, and and this one's no different. So, obviously, you know, dipping into 13 games, you're going to get a lot of different uh, availability for players. And, and that's going to be, you know, exciting for me to be
0: able to, you know, reminisce with some of those guys. Such an interesting season. It was not – even though that team didn't lose a game – uh, it, was, it was a season that had a lot of twists and turns with it. Injuries to different people. Brooke Beringer had the, the punctured lung. Tommy Frazier had the blood clot issue. Lawrence Phillips was bursting onto the scene as one of the best backs in the country that year. Uh, so it's going to be fun to follow along as that season moves through uh, the next couple of months. So we're going to fill up your fall with some Husker football. Uh, I know we would all love for it to be the modern day version, the current team. But that's not going to be the case. And so uh, this is how we're going to fill some afternoons. And we're grateful to our affiliates for agreeing to carry these games on Saturday afternoon, make the the programming available to all of you wonderful Husker fans out and around. So I hope you enjoy it. Listen to it again, 1 o'clock on Central Time. Each Saturday we'll begin a pregame show with the game broadcast to follow uh, starting here on saturday september the 12th and uh, we'll take you all the way through the, the first saturday of december before we wrap it up because we'll play the full 12 games of the regular season and then the orange bowl against the miami hurricanes to wrap it all up so looking forward to that college football did begin with fbs action this past weekend it started with a couple of games on thursday night uh some games saturday And in the game last night, there was another blowout. Man, BYU just absolutely picked apart Navy last night. I did not see that kind of a lopsided game coming at all. BYU looked really good. We talked to a writer last week that covers BYU, and he felt like the the Cougars had a pretty good football team, that they had been pointing to the 2020 season as a bit of a breakthrough for them. And, man, was he right because they just absolutely – Sunk the Navy last night in that game. There really weren't a lot of great games on, on Saturday. The Memphis-Arkansas State game was okay. Arkansas State will actually play K-State this Saturday uh, in their second game in the Wildcats' first game. That was a decent football game Saturday night. And the SMU-Texas State game Saturday afternoon on ESPN was okay. But a lot of blowouts in what was a very slim schedule for college football this past weekend. Now it gets going much more intense Intensely this Saturday with the ACC and the Big 12 rolling into action. So there'll be quite a few more games to be following coming up here this Saturday. All right. I know that there's a lot of people that are out there kind of still holding on to hope that there's going to be a um, 11th hour agreement within the Big 10 conference. I have not felt that way now for several weeks. Um, and, and, And even today, I know people were there was rumors flying all weekend long that there was going to be another vote of the Big Ten presidents and chancellors today to maybe reverse the decision to cancel the fall and and look toward the winner for a a season. There was never a vote today. I don't believe, in and to to flip any kind of decision, the league mandates that they need a 60% uh, positive vote. Um, They can't get there. They can't get to nine people that want to open this season up in the next month. So there was no vote taken today. Um, ben, I, I wish I could deliver to everybody positive news that this thing is going to flip, and in a month we're going to be seeing the Huskers charge out of the tunnel at Memorial Stadium. We're going to have a few fans in the stadium and watch this team play here in October, but I just I just don't think that's going to happen, and I, I've tried to kind of be protective of that and not give a lot of people false hope over the last couple of weeks and it seems like, and you and I have talked about it a lot in the last two, three weeks, it seems like something kind of bubbles up and you kind of get your optimism up and feel like it's going to happen but for a a good solid week now, I, I really haven't felt like There's enough momentum among the chances and the presidents to flip this over, and I I know that's disappointing to a lot of people, and maybe I'll be shocked and surprised here in a couple weeks. I hope I'm wrong, but uh, for right now, I, I think that what we talked about with Teddy on Thursday, that they're looking at three plans, a Thanksgiving start, a start right after Christmas in the domes, or kind of the spring plan, which would be February and March football. I think those are probably the three options that we're looking at.
1: Yeah, I just – I don't get the sense that that it's going to happen um, before Thanksgiving. I just – that's that's just, you know, the feeling I get. I, I just think it's it's wishful thinking. It's, and, look, there are teams that want to play right now, and I think we all understand that. And I think that's what gives us hope anytime one of these rumors pops up. And I feel like it's every single day that something pops up that gives people hope I, I'm just gonna go work under the assumption that that these are all just rumors and speculation until I'm proven otherwise. I I just don't think I I want to get in the mindset to where every time I read something like that comes across today that I think it's all of a sudden gonna flip. I I mean we're we're getting pulled in so many different directions and every single time you know we haven't been getting any indication. From the league from from other from other places that it's going to switch and that the, that decision is going to get turned upside down so i'm going to work under the assumption of a you know best case scenario being thanksgiving late late november um and and that's just the way i'm going to approach it i know people are going to approach it you know other other ways which is which is just fine but I just don't. I don't. I, I just see it being too big of a hurdle, Greg, of, you know, this having to, to change so quickly. And, um, I mean, even, even if, you know, they said tomorrow on, on September 9th that, okay, we can start going, coaches are going to want at least a month to get their guys ready. So, I mean, even best case scenario in October 9th, I just I, and, I, and that's if it happens tomorrow. I just don't know. If, even if they were to to flip that decision, I don't know that they could get it started, you know, that quickly. So I, I'm just going to work under the assumption that it's going to be a late, late November start.
0: Yeah, I, I that's kind of what I've resigned myself to. Over the weekend, there was a a, a player led protest at Michigan. Jim Harbaugh marched with the players and. Mainly basically to said I agree with my brother, John, who said, free free the Big Ten players. Let them play. Uh, the, the most telling quote from Jim Harbaugh that the Detroit media, including our Angelique Schengelis from the Detroit News, who we have on here periodically, the, the most telling quote from Jim Harbaugh was that he's had no communication with his own school president. I mean, that, that seems kind of odd to me that the head football coach can't get an audience with that school's president, but it sounds like that's that's the way it is in Ann Arbor with that school, and I think that's a school that is that is blocking, uh, among others, but they may be the, the most powerful of the group that's kind of blocking a return to play at an earlier date for Big Ten football. In fact, today, and Austin had this in the ticker a couple of minutes ago, there was a group of legislators led from a Michigan point of view that uh, sent a letter to Kevin Warren to reconsider. It was primarily signed by Michigan legislators, but it was joined uh, by several other legislators from other states in the big 10 footprint. Uh, But when Jim Harbaugh can't even get his own school president to return a text or a call, man, that's, that's not a good situation. It makes you feel good about what Nebraska has going where it does seem and has been this way really all along that Ted Carter, Ronnie Green, Bill Moose and Scott Frost have been on the same page as they move their way uh, through the last five, six months to try to get the Huskers back on the field sooner than later. But wish I had better news. I wish I was maybe uh, giving you hope, but I feel in some ways if I do that, it's more false hope that we're throwing out to you. And I, I, I'm with Ben. Until something completely comes down the pike that's official, I'm really not going to fall into those traps that a lot of people have been falling into for weeks now. Uh, I think we just have to resign ourselves that the first we'll see any Big Ten football at all would be on Thanksgiving. If you have some thoughts about that or anything, 531-500-4686, that's the number to call, or shoot us a text at that same number. That is our U.S. Segular text line, Um, U.S. Segular, the official wireless provider of Husker Athletics. All right, here's what we have on the program tonight. Brian Christofferson of Huskers 24-7 going to join us here in a little bit. We'll get his take on a lot of different things surrounding the oscars including a recent uh, binge of recruits that have committed to nebraska football and uh, i know he and his uh, group have been out watching some high school football the last couple of fridays looking at some young men that have committed to nebraska we'll get his take on that and also the current situation in the big 10 adam rittenberg will start his weekly segment with us normally adam will be with us on mondays to recap the previous weekend of college football and look ahead to the upcoming weekend because we didn't have a show last night because of the labor day uh, adam was kind enough to say he would do tuesday night tonight so we'll talk to adam at the top of our number two we'll go beyond the headlines and top 10 tuesday looking forward to our top 10 topic tonight ben as we're two days away from the start of the national football league so we're going to do a little power rankings um my number one's probably pretty obvious. Maybe yours will be too, but this was fun to jump into this, and I'm really getting excited. We had a little fantasy draft, our Sports Nightly League fantasy draft the other day. I'm getting excited for the NFL to get cranked up here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't have any any sort of rooting interest in college, so you know, with the Chiefs starting on Thursday, that's, that's all I get. So I, I am all in on the NFL this season. Um, and obviously with the fantasy draft that we did, Bragging rights on the line, and you know we're even uh, we're we're even doing a fantasy football podcast. Not 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 so much as an information tool for you. So like if you think we're like CBS Sports or you know those gurus on like Fantasy Pros, that is not the type of content you're going to get. I mean you'll get you'll get our opinions on on things, but um, it's more so just you know entertainment purposes. And uh, we don't really get to talk a ton of NFL on this show, so. An opportunity for us to do that which which we're excited about but yeah our, our first podcast will drop tomorrow you can hear inside the minds of all of us as we were drafting and and critiquing we even have a fan that 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 joined our league that uh, we put out a tweet um, and he responded and he was selected as our winner and uh, a, for, a couple of former huskers in our league as well with Josh Banderas and Jeremiah Searle so yeah, looking forward to it. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be fun, and I'm I'm just I'm ready to watch some NFL football. That's
0: for sure. Delighted to be joined now by Brian Christofferson of Huskers twenty four seven. Hello, BC. How are you tonight?
2: Doing pretty good. How about you?
0: I'm okay. how How have you uh have you uh, handled the last couple of weeks with all these rumors that have swirled around? How Have you kept your sanity going?
2: I went fishing. Um, <laughs> so that was. That was was the best move I've made in the last month. I went up to Minnesota uh, to get some intel on PJ Flex program. I'm joking about that. But I went up to a lake up there and got away last week and was fishing. And, uh, yeah, I know know the rumor mill has been swirling about October start, November, Thanksgiving, January, and uh, there's still no clarity.
0: Well, I, I want to get your thoughts because I, I said this in the open of our show. I, I just, you know, and I'm, I'm generally a, an optimistic guy, but I, I just don't get a sense that the Big Ten is going to reverse themselves for an October start. I think they're looking at a Thanksgiving model. They're looking at a late December, early January model where they go to the domes and play there. I, to me, those are the two they're looking at. Do you Do you get a different sense?
2: No, I agree with you. I, I mean, you're talking about if they're to play in October, you're going to need like six or seven presidents, chancellors, a lot of powerful people to switch, switch their opinion, or in a way say, "Oh, maybe we, maybe we botched this, or maybe we didn't quite get this right. Let's let's go back on this." And uh, dude, how likely is that? I I don't think it's real likely. I I think the Michigan schools, in particular, Michigan and Michigan State. Um, At the top, at least, I know Jim Harbaugh wants to play, but at the very top of uh, the platform there, um, I don't know that they're going to go along with with moving into October. Obviously, Ohio State, where a lot of the rumors seem to be coming from or a lot of the reports are coming from, you can understand why the Buckeyes are so gung-ho about playing. I mean, they've got a championship-caliber team, and I've said this before, but, I mean, it, it would be the equivalent of if like 1994 Nebraska was loaded up, ready to go after a title that they just missed out on the year before, and uh, oh oh you can't do that, and people here would just be you know beyond themselves about not being able to have that possibility with that kind of team, and so you can imagine as as bad as we're feeling here about it, uh, for good reason and some financial reasons too. You can you can add to that with Ohio state and the type of team they have coming. So I think Nebraska has got support and people who agree with a lot of what the Husker coaches and staffers and the officials at Nebraska think. I just don't think there's enough at the top um, to change this thing. And then even if they start in Thanksgiving, it's going to be interesting because there's going to be some blowback because the big 10 would be starting a season just as the other leagues, if they go through with it, are winding down and kind of determining their playoff teams. And uh, that's not going to be a great look either. So, I, I honestly, the Big Ten's in a box where, uh, from a perception PR standpoint, if the other leagues go forward and play, I don't think there's a way that Big Ten officials can come out looking that rosy no matter what happens, unless everybody just ends up not playing this
3: fall.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think their best thing to do is, and I think they're trying to do this, honestly, I think they're trying to just get together with the Pac-12, play some kind of 7-8 game schedule, and then let the conference winners go play in, their, in a, a different kind of a Rose Bowl in March. I think that, to me, that's that's what they're trying to do right now, and I even heard rumblings out of the Pac-12. What did you do Saturday? Was that when you were in Minnesota? You just got out of town for what would have been the opener?
2: Yeah, I was up in Minnesota. I was watching some some football. I mean, it, it just felt so weird. Um, you know, and it, here's the thing. It was going to be such a beautiful opener with when it was originally scheduled with Purdue. And you've got this sort of, you know, very important Big Ten West clash right off the beginning in Memorial Stadium. Um, at that time, you know, Rondale Moore would have been with Purdue and played in that game if things were normal under those circumstances, and it would have just been a, a great test. You would have had the whole Diaco storyline of him coming back as the D coordinator with Purdue, and um, it was it was just it was just hard to uh, to not wake up that for you know the first Saturday in September to Nebraskans. I think is. It's not far from Christmas. It I mean it it's basically that in that same category to people. You just wake up with that bounce in your step and you can feel it like, you know, living in Lincoln, you can walk into the grocery store, you can be, you know, in the, the aisle of high V and you just feel it around you. It's like there's an electricity of its football season and it's it's just hard when that's not there and, and even though there were some games going on, it wasn't the same elite player used to on opening weekend and it's It just didn't didn't really work for me, to be honest.
0: No, I hear you. Well, again, visiting with Brian Christofferson of Huskers 24-7. Well, the Huskers staff has been busy. What a rash of commits over the last seven, eight days. Give me your breakdown, your thoughts about this, this recruiting class that they're putting together.
2: Yeah, this is about as good a climb in a short period of time as I've seen in Nebraska recruiting. Two weeks ago, um, they were ranked 40th in our 24/7 sports composite. And I know not everybody gets that fired up about rankings, but that's where they were. And then you get Kobe Brozo of Omaha West Side to commit. Then you get Thomas Madone two days later. And then you get AJ. Rollins of Omaha Creighton Prep two days after that. And Nebraska suddenly goes from 40th to a top 25 class in our rankings. And now after the latest commit from a, a New Jersey linebacker, uh, Jersey, which is a state that um, Husker fans with deep recruiting knowledge will know is, you know, Mike Rogier and Jason Peter and Irving Fry. I mean, it's, it's been good to Nebraska and now Nebraska's ranked 22nd um, in our ranking. So, uh, and that's actually five spots ahead of Minnesota and, uh, you know, Minnesota was at one point a top five class. So it's a reminder that with recruiting, you got to always play the long game um, you, and you, for Nebraska to be in the top 25 at this moment without having official visits or having the spring game as a recruiting tool uh, is, is quite an accomplishment. And they've, they've done it with some help from local recruiting. You know, you had those three guys in a week span who were all within 60 miles of the campus who raised their hand and said, yes, to Nebraska. And uh, you got to win locally this cycle, there's no doubt about it, because it, since you can't get guys from far away to visit as much, it, it makes it much more challenging.
0: Well, how, what's the best use of, of this team's time in, in the next month or so, Brian? I mean, as you mentioned, they didn't get spring ball. I mean, they got two practices, I guess. Um, they got three practices before they were told you couldn't put the pads on back in August. They haven't been to no a bowl game in three years, so they haven't had those practices. What, would, what's their, what do you think the, the, the goal is for the next 60 days for this program and, and with, with the rules that they're having to live under right now?
2: Well, I mean, you just gotta connect with each other as much as possible. I mean, I think that right now they get 12 hours together, and you know, you gotta use that to study up on on yourself and meet with your coaches. And if you can get on the field, some, um, that's great. But honestly, they need a road map in front of them. I mean, I really feel for these guys. I mean, they, they're they're creatures of habit. Um, anybody who plays athletics, you know, the seasons there's a rhythm to it where you're you're getting ready at this time and you're prepping. Um, to play at this time and you practice at this time. And it's just all thrown out of whack right now. And, um, you know, they they lost a guy in Keyshawn Green recently who entered the transfer portal. In normal circumstances, you know, Keyshawn Green would have been, uh, you know, practicing in fall camp in August and, you know, maybe one of the top six linebackers, top four linebackers and there's that buzz and that excitement about playing, and it keeps guys, you know, motivated and, and, you know, ready to go. And so I think this program really needs the Big Ten to say, this is what we're doing. Whether it's January or Thanksgiving, in the next couple of weeks, something has to rise to the surface where these these players know, okay, this is what's in front of you, and this is when you can practice, and and they can just get ready to adjust to, to something like that. And so that's where it's difficult right now. It's just foggy, you know, they're, they're stuck in a fog and that it's very difficult to, to, uh, work through those circumstances.
0: Are you fearful that there may be more exits from the program just because of what you said, kind of a lull on the action for everybody?
2: Yeah, I think a little bit, I think all coaches are, and that's a big reason why, you know, it's not the only reason they are, tons of reasons but it's the reason why scott frost ryan day all these guys they want to play football they that you know other schools are going to try to come in and say hey we're playing over here come join us um and so that's uh that's something you definitely worry about if you sit out too long and it's also why the big 10 can't mess this up i mean they they do have to come up with a plan pretty quickly but it also has to be a plan um that they're willing to stick to, because you can imagine if they pull the rug out from under these guys again. Like you set something up, okay, we're going to start November 26, and then suddenly that's not happening. I that's going to be tough for the Big Ten for years to come back from. So um, I, I definitely think it's something you worry about. I think the portal could be the transfer portal could be a pretty busy place, not just with Nebraska guys, but but all over and so uh, roster management has always been probably one of the most difficult parts of being a coach, and now it's like times that by 100 how challenging it is. It was, we don't know what the numbers are going to look like, and some guys, you know, are going to want to move on in some places. It's, it's just very difficult.
0: What's your crystal ball say about this lawsuit that the eight Husker players have filed? Is it, is this, uh, has it rocked the boat to a certain degree? Can it continue to do that? What, what do you make of that?
2: I don't know if they're ultimately going to get what they wanted in the lawsuit, but I'll tell you what they did. They kept the heat on them and they've, they've kept, they've kind of kept the beach ball in the air. And, and then you've get some, you know, legislators who uh, today are out there issuing letters to Kevin Warren. And uh, it's not going away. I mean, the big kind officials, whatever you think of their decision, they are going to keep hearing from people who are saying, you know, we're dissatisfied and we let, let's get this, rolling i appreciated what what they're after they want answers the players and parents want answers and i think any journalist um i mean that's what we usually want right we want answers we want to get to the bottom of okay what what actually happened to that made this decision and i do not feel like even at this point the big 10 has explained that decision really well And I know they kind of wanted it to go away. They're like, okay, here's the vote. It was 11 to three. Are you happy now? Um, But that was just like one point of, you know, five or six points or more than that, that those players were were looking for. So I don't think they got near what they wanted. I don't know that they will, but I do think it's going to keep the pressure on the big 10 to follow through and actually make a season happen at some point and not back away from it. So it, in the end game, it might it might end up having an effect where we say, yeah, that was pretty useful to making sure that football at least got played at some point because it it kept the temperature high on the Big Ten.
0: Yeah, I'm proud of them. I think they've gotten more answers out of the Big Ten than anybody else that's interviewed, Kevin Warren or any of those people. So I'm I'm proud of what they've what they've done. All right, um, what what's keeping you guys busy? How how are you going to kind of fill some content over the over the coming weeks? You got any big plans?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Um, you, know, it, you know, recruiting is, Nebraska's rolling in recruiting right now, and there's a lot of, you know, good players that they're in. They're in on a four star uh, D lineman out in Las Vegas right now that is trending Nebraska's way. Um, and there's some other guy high profile guys that the Huskers are, are riding high on. So we'll definitely be covering that. And I think one thing that's been kind of nice about this is we've gotten out more than ever and are going to continue to do so this fall and watch, you know, this lo- the local town and some of these guys who are, whether they have scholarship offers to Nebraska or, or they might be walk-on guys or even if they don't end up at Nebraska, um, but they, you know, they're, they're college prospects. We're getting a chance to go out and see those guys more because there's no game to cover Saturday and we, there's just more time and freedom to do that. So, you know, I went out last week and watched uh, Heinrich Harper you know, play for Carney Catholic and Scott Frost Old Town and Wood River. And um, that was a lot of fun. It was just a beautiful night, you know, the perfect 70-degree weather in a high school football game. And so I I hope fans who are missing Husker football can get out when they can and and watch some of the high school guys do their thing.
0: No doubt. BC, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great week. Yep. thanks a lot. Well, he'll be a regular contributor to us starting this week, mostly on Mondays, but here tonight on Tuesday, Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com. Good evening, Adam. How was your holiday weekend?
3: It was good, Greg. I got a little bit of college football, not as much as we all hope, but uh, at least uh, they are playing some places, and uh, hopefully they'll be playing where you and I live at some point in the near future.
0: Well, let's start with the Big Ten, and we had Teddy Greenstein on Thursday, and he he wrote a piece that said the Big Ten needs to have something fairly soon on what they want to do. What is the plan moving forward? And I think a lot of the schools would like that, too. Nebraska had a guy that – entered entered the transfer portal on Friday. And I think the worry here and probably other places is that maybe the longer this goes without any kind of a decision when they'll play, you might lose more kids. What, what Do you get any sense? Is the Big Ten close? Are they still weeks away from coming up with a plan?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a hard one to sort of handicap. My, my sense in talking to sources is that the Big Ten will have a plan relatively soon. You know, there's been so much outcry about what happened back about a month ago when they postponed the fall season. I think the idea from the Big Ten is when we speak next, we don't want to just talk about the past, but we want to talk about the future and really have a uh, outline of, of who's deciding this. Uh, you know, I think be a little bit more transparent about um, you know, their medical folks and, and their rationale and some of the benchmarks that have to be reached for the president to feel comfortable to return to competition. So I, I'd imagine we will hear something uh, by the end of next week at the latest. As far as a plan. Now, is that a plan to to project November as a start or October or January that remains to be seen, but I I do think the big development that's happened lately is this uh, rapid testing with the pac 12 announced last week and what seems to be coming uh, relatively quickly is the ability to test daily. I think once that's in place for the Big Ten and other leagues that aren't playing, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll be a lot closer to getting back on the field.
0: You mentioned the Pac-12, Adam. Do you, do you get the sense that they're trying to marry up with them and maybe have a season that runs parallel with each other so they can have a, a bit of a postseason at the end?
3: Well, and, and, you know, if you, can't, if you can't align with the other conferences and be part of a national playoff, um, I think there would be a desire to at least align with, you know, a longtime partner in the Pac-12, you know, the, the, the league that you play the traditional baseball matchup against and a league that has been, you know, somewhat in lockstep with the Big Ten uh, throughout this process. Now, now the, the leagues aren't, you know, completely similar. You know, the, the Pac-12 is dealing with, uh, you know, uh, public health restrictions in California and Oregon, that essentially have prevented those teams in the conference which just half the league uh, from, from playing or from practicing, rather. So it's a little bit different situation. I don't think, uh, you know, there are many in the Big Ten I've talked to that do not want to wait for the Pac-12. But if it becomes apparent that there's no way that the Big Ten can be part of the traditional playoff and the traditional structure this year, it may make sense to do that, um, you know, for a competitive standpoint and for a television standpoint. And from a postseason standpoint, Ah, uh, to be able to have you know some type of postseason against Pac-12 teams, at least that 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 would be a, a bit of an incentive for for everybody if they know that there's a bowl opportunity at the end.
0: Adam Rittenberg's with us. He's a college football writer for ESPN.com. He'll be with us throughout the fall. All right, let's jump into some of the action from this past weekend. How impressed were you with BYU's performance last night against Navy? And and is there enough meat there that they could be a factor for the college football playoff when it comes down to, to December?
3: You know, it's interesting. I, I, a, I was very impressed. And it's hard not to be impressed, especially with their offensive line. Uh, but, and to your, your other point, unfortunately not. If they had their original schedule, which had a lot of Power 5 competition, I, I think including two Big Ten teams in Michigan State and Minnesota. Um, I, I know they had some Pac-12 teams on there as well. You know, that was a really impressive schedule that if, if BYU had run through it, you know, they, they, they might have been considered for the playoff, even in a normal environment. It's going to be really tough just looking at who they have left. No Power 5 opponents. They do have Houston. Uh, but we don't know how good Houston's going to be. They they were a little down last year with a new coach and Dana Holgerson. But yeah, hard not to be impressed with what they did. And uh, you know, the the running game was terrific. Now Navy. Admittedly, you know, had, had really wasn't ready for the season. I mean, that that, that was shocking to see out of a, a you know really well coached team. Normally, with with Ketney and Matalolo, but you know, because of their their uh, their approach to practicing during this time, they they clearly just you know couldn't could block, they couldn't tackle, they couldn't do much of anything. But you give BYU credit for making that trip and, and, and putting a, a very impressive show on, and we'll see where they go from here.
0: Adam, the the FBS season's five days old and we already have a coaching change. What what happened at Southern Miss?
3: Right. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those situations, uh, Greg, where I think, you know, it was something that probably people there wanted to to do earlier and they just needed a reason. Um, And that, that poor performance in the opening game, uh, on Thursday against South Alabama, maybe just put everybody over the top. I know they, they've you know kind of phrased it as a mutual parting of ways, but I don't think any coach wants to leave his team after only one game, even if things aren't going well. And you know there was obviously some controversy about a year and a half ago when when Jay Hobson they tried to hire Art Bryles, as offensive coordinator and kind of openly uh, you know voiced his his displeasure with the administration for not allowing him to do so. But there's there's been some. Some, you, know, you know, red flags around him and that program for a little while now. You know, they've had a really good history at Southern Miss. I mean, the Jeff Bauer teams were, were always really tough. The Larry Fedora won a Commerce USA Championship there. Uh, Todd Munkin had some success. And Jay Hobson had some success. But uh, I think this was just something that was, uh, that was probably coming in a situation where uh, your coach was in the last year of his contract, and uh, they just felt this was the time to, uh, to make a change.
0: There's been a little bit of smoke, Adam, about Art Bryles maybe having an interest in that job. Have you have you sensed any of that at all?
3: Oh, well, I, I, you know, I'd have to look at their administration. But if, if, if it's pretty similar to what it was when they basically denied him that opportunity, I, I really couldn't see it happening, to be honest. Um, I think that they'll have some interesting options at Southern Miss. No, they don't pay particularly well, at least uh, compared to a lot of the FBS jobs. But you're given the fact that they basically said you couldn't hire him as offensive coordinator, I, I don't know if you, can, if you can go ahead and hire him as a head coach. I think it's going to be um, an interesting candidate pool. I think they do in some ways need somebody, uh, an older guy like Art, who has some experience as a head coach. But I, I just think that's going to bring a lot of negative uh, headlines to, yeah. to your program. And I, I think it's probably best to, to, to go a different direction. Right. All right,
0: let's turn our attention to this week, Notre Dame with a – ACC game. I saw that they were painting an ACC logo on their on yeah. their field. That, that's got to wake to wake some ghosts up around South Bend, doesn't it?
3: Yes, yes. It's going to be odd. I mean, there's so many odd things this year, and you're know, seeing that uh, on the field. Uh, you know, with an NBC broadcast of Notre Dame and Duke this week is it, certainly going to be interesting. And you know, they actually have a, a really fun home schedule this year with. Clemson and Florida State both coming in to South Bend later in the season. The Clemson game is is, is really one of the best regular season matchups outside of the SEC all season. So um, I'm excited to see Notre Dame. I I really like this team uh, with the senior quarterback and Ian Book, arguably the nation's best offensive line. They've got some exciting young running backs. Who I'm, how I'm interested to see, you know, getting out there, including Chris Tyree, who is a top recruit. Uh, so how they run the ball is going to be interesting. And then defensively, are they able to replace some of their pass rushing production and, and get some playmakers, uh, you know, linebacker in the secondary? So I, I, I think this is a top 10 team, and uh, you're going against Duke, and uh, you're their new quarterback, Chase Bryce, who transferred from Clemson. He was Trevor Lawrence's backup. You know, he, he rescued them in that one game where, where I think it was against Syracuse, where, where Trevor got hurt a few years ago, and then. Clemson went on to win a national title. So uh, excited to see uh, you know, Chase get his opportunity with uh, with Duke going against uh, Notre Dame this weekend.
0: Yeah. Also, that league's pretty much playing league games this week. You've got Georgia Tech, Florida State. What do you make of the Seminoles? Can they make any noise at all here in 2020?
3: Yeah, they'll be one of the more interesting storylines. Now, Georgia Tech's picked last in the ACC. There's not a lot of optimism around. Uh, them, although you know, Jeff Collins will, will have a better recruits in there in short order. But uh, Florida State, you know, we know there's always talent there, uh, but they have not maximized it uh, in recent years. I'm very interested to see how the Mike Norvell offense uh, works and whether it clicks right away or it would take a little bit of time. But everywhere Mike has been, you know, whether it's as a coordinator at Arizona State or your head coach at Memphis, um, you know, his his offense generates big plays, and so this could be a very exciting Florida State unit. Now they've had they have to block, and that offensive line has been you know, one of the nation's worst position groups relative to to their talent in, in, in quite some time. So they got to be better on the line, and they got to make some big plays, and they got to stop people on defense. But I really like this hire, and I think uh, even if it doesn't work right away. I think Mike Norvell and his staff will end up having success in Tallahassee.
0: They'll be interesting to follow. All right, you, you uh, home base in it this week? You're going to venture out? What are home you doing?
3: Home base for the foreseeable future. I know we'll be on every <laughs> week. And I, I will keep you posted if I, if I leave. And I, I'd certainly love to get out. I think Notre Dame is probably the, uh, the likeliest uh, destination for me this year. But but for now, yeah, I'll just be watching with everyone else and, until the Big Ten gets back on the field.
0: Ames, Iowa, they'd take you over in Ames, Iowa.
3: I was there for the, the hawk game last year. I spent about 16 hours in that stadium with two lightning <laughs> delays. But uh, I, I, I'd welcome the chance to go see uh, Matt Campbell's uh, guys go after. I know not, not not so much this week, but once they get yeah. into Big 12 play, it could, could be a good spot for me.
0: Very good, Adam. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, resume on Mondays with you next week after the holiday weekend this week. Have fun watching the games this weekend.
3: Yeah, looking forward to it. You too. Thanks, Greg.
2: It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Five seconds left in the game. you believe in
4: miracles? Yes. And that's the way it is. Good
2: night. Beyond the headlines.
5: Well, the first headline to mention is that for the first show all summer, I am not wearing cargo shorts. It's jeans yeah. weather. It's weird. Yeah. Sad.
1: Ugh, <sighs> man. <laughs> you probably put the cargo shorts back on this weekend, though.
5: That that is in in the plan. Yeah, it's we're in the not planner.
4: we're not done with the '80s and '70s. they will be back. No, this is just a sneak preview of what's to come. Yeah, yeah.
5: It's a horrible sneak preview. It's cold <laughs> yes. and dreary and dark. But hey, that's why we bring you Beyond the Headlines to brighten your evenings up. And we'll lead off with a little bit of. NBA talk here. So during yesterday's Game 3 in the Western Conference semis between the Los Angeles Clippers and the Denver Nuggets, Clippers star Kawhi Leonard blocked a Jamal Murray dunk attempt with only his middle finger. What's the most symbolically disrespectful move you guys have ever seen in a sports contest?
0: Hmm. You think that was disrespectful? That was symbolically. It was Yeah, horrible, well, symbolically. symbolically. That was um, an amazing block, wasn't it? Wow. Yeah.
4: I'd say anytime somebody dunks over somebody, it's just that's disrespectful.
0: Posterizes guys. Yeah, I mean, bat yeah. flips. Yeah. The Jose The bat, bat, bat flip. Oh, boy. Oof. How about T.O. running to the star in Dallas Stadium against <laughs> yeah. uh, the Cowboys? For, how about Randy, Randy Moss. Moss in the NBA? Randy zone? Moss yeah. mooning Lambeau Field. <laughs> <laughs> Who had the Sharpie? Was it Moss or T.O. that, that, T. that had the Sharpie? That was T.O., I o. think.
1: Joe Horn had the cell phone. <laughs> that's right. Uh, oh, that that's, yeah, that's <laughs> a good
4: one. That was a good one.
1: Honestly, uh, and I hate was to say the this because he's a, he's a Husker, but getting stepped over by uh, you know Teron Liu getting stepped oh. over by uh,
0: AI Allen Iverson. AI,
1: Allen Iverson.
0: Uh, and the thing that That's jumped a good in my mind one. was the old Miss guy, the football player that acted <laughs> like oh, a dog. Yeah. That was pretty Wait, bad. whoa, which one was this? Uh, football Last game, year. Ole Miss against Mississippi State, the Egg Bowl. The guy scored a touchdown, and then huh. he acted like he was a dog urinating. Really?
4: <laughs> oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. You just, you just rang the bell. Yep,
5: yep, I do
0: remember that. Was that was pretty bad. I didn't think that was, was pretty
4: bad.
5: just only a year ago. Yeah, that's pretty horrible. It, see, the one that came to mind for me kind of more along the lines of the Kawhi block was Nadam Sue in that 2009 Big 12 yeah. championship game just ragdolling Colt McCoy. Like, your (laughs) offensive line can't stop me. You can't stop me. I'm just going to throw you to the ground like you're about six years old.
4: Yep. See a few disrespectful moments in his career. Just a few. (laughs) Just (laughs) a few. Next topic. Switching over to the NFL here. Earlier today, the Arizona Cardinals made DeAndre Hopkins the highest paid non-quarterback in the league with a two-year extension that includes $42.5 Forty-two and a half million, fully guaranteed, making his contract a five-year, ninety-four million-dollar deal with an average of eighteen point eight million a year. Uh, so, do you guys think that Hopkins is being properly valued by the Cardinals here? And also, in your minds, who are the best non-quarterbacks in the
0: league right now? He's really good. Uh, I, yeah, I, I understand why he got that kind of a kind of money. That's man, that is. Mm-hmm. That is, you can't even fathom that much money. But good for him. <laughs> I think he's who got him in our draft. By the way, I any don't of us? Know. I might have gotten him actually. Okay, because I, I, I know, I know I I, he
4: was on my he was on my radar. That's for sure.
0: I was I was he was on my in my queue, and I think I was three or four picks away. And I'm like, oh, come on, come on, come on. And then bye. he was gone. Yeah, I I back, right? I definitely think he's worth the money.
1: I think he's uh. I think he's a, a special freak talent. I mean, he just doesn't drop passes. He runs great routes. Um, pretty easy guy to cheer for. Yeah, I think, especially at a place like Arizona, when you've got an up-and-coming quarterback, who and you, and you got a new coach who wants to install an offensive system. I mean, that's that's as uh safety blanket as it gets for a quarterback to have a guy like that. I think it's, I think it's smart money. Other guys that are. You know, you think about right now that are you know elite, not quarterbacks. Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott. Mm-hmm. You know, the, all the all that group of running backs. Saquon, defensively, Aaron Aired- de- Donald,
0: Von I was Miller. Say, give some defensive guys some love here. Yeah, those Aired- two guys Donald, Von Miller. Yeah. Yeah, it looks I, like I would... uh, Mick got him in our league. I would be a little higher on Arizona going into this year if they weren't in that division. That just, That's just going to yeah. be a meat grinder, that division.
5: Whoa. At least the top two teams, the Rams will probably bounce back a little bit, you'd like to think. But topic no number... Girly. Yeah. Topic number three here. So last week, national fast food restaurant Taco Bell made some plans to pare its menu down come November. It's going to be cutting items, including the Mexican pizza, pico de gallo and all its shredded chicken options. So with that in mind, what cuts or additions would you guys like to see to fast food menus? To any fast
0: food menu, any fast food menu. Hmm. The ones they made didn't, didn't bother me. I, I wasn't a f- fan of their Mexican pizza. The, the, the moves, and I. Some people were upset a little bit about some of the stuff that they're taking off, but I. I wasn't all that upset with anything they've removed from their menu. Um, In and Out could get rid of their fries, and that wouldn't hurt me <laughs> uh, one bit at all. Um, yeah. But, honestly, you know, well, honestly, I, I wish they would bring back their uh,
1: their lava sauce. That that hot sauce they used to put mm-hmm. on stuff that. That yeah. was really good. I was a huge fan of that when they did that. I don't think a lot of
0: people. I don't think a lot of people got it though. Well, that's probably why it didn't didn't <laughs> last. But yeah, uh, well, I tell you what, you drive by a Taco Bell location like around the noon hour, and the the line's always in the street. I mean, people just love yeah. going to Taco Bell to get their lunch or late night snacks. That's probably where Brett goes late night snack time to Taco Bell fourth Houston. meal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, used the to post-game. Be real,
4: yeah. You'd go there right before, uh, I think they closed at like 11 or 12. It was a big go-to move. The only place that was open on this side of town.
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> All right, uh, topic number four. This one, non-sports related. An Austrian man broke a world record for the longest duration of full body contact with ice over the weekend by setting... sitting in a tub of ice for over two and a half hours. This beat his previous record set a year year ago by 30 minutes. The man, uh, 43-year-old Joseph Kerbel, has said that he will attempt to break the record again next year targeting a three-hour mark next time, but first I'd like to know how long each of you could last just in a cold tub. We'll say a cold tub and then second, what is a world record that you've always wanted to set? (laughs) (laughs) Man, Maybe
1: I I can make it more than like, more than like. I mean, I feel like there's a there's a threshold of you getting used to it, and then like, okay, you got to get out. You know, like when you jump into a a cold pool, right? I mean, there's like there's like obviously it shocks you at first, but then there's a moment where you're like, okay, this is still really cold, but it's not like the worst thing in the world. But then there's a moment where it's like, okay, I got to get out of this thing. I kind of feel like that would be the same situation with a cold tub. I haven't been in too many cold tubs before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say I'd say I'd cap between three and five minutes in there.
0: That was my yeah. thought, too. I was thinking somewhere in that, that three to five range, too. I think, you know, I would force myself to hang in there for the first mm-hmm. couple. And you're right. And then I think your body would go, okay, I, I got this. And then your body would go, get the heck out of here. Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you Seriously. doing? It's not worth this but- thing. My question
4: was, when does hypothermia start to set in <laughs> in this whole process? Because I didn't read. I read a lot of articles about this, but nobody talked about hypothermia. So can we get Bear Grylls in here, resident expert, <laughs> to uh, to let He's us? know? He's probably just say, kids, don't sit in a tub of ice for over two and a half hours.
5: <laughs> if you're going to what? drink your own pee, it'll help, right?
0: <laughs> what me the uh, I, I googled what would world records that are would be easy to beat. How about this one? Mm-hmm. Most socks that you could put on one foot in 30 seconds. Now, that one I could try, <laughs> right? I mean, you That'd could give that at least a go. Uh, What's the uh, record? Most, You'd
4: probably have to get your flexibility a little, a little better
0: there, Greg. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I, I would have to do some more digging, Ben, to tell you what the record is. I feel like,
1: then, I, you know, a record that I, I, I bet I could seriously contend for?
5: Most lava sauce packets down in 30 seconds?
0: <laughs> Maybe.
1: <laughs> it is an eating challenge. Most Slim Jims eating. eaten. I bet I could, Ooh, I, bet I, could I bet I could, I bet I could, well, professional leaders would have me dominated, but like, that, I don't know, neck. I feel like that's something I could perform a well above average in.
0: <laughs> yeah, just those kind that's of goofy, silly things that don't require pain or total embarrassment.
4: Or, <laughs> or skill, or like a, you can't like slack line across, right. I don't even
0: know. A couple eating, so, eating something might have lasting effects though, Ben. Maybe. Oh, it will. Short-term it, pain, long-term sure. gain. If it means a world record,
4: it it means pain. That's for sure. The the but the BW three's challenge was not for anything but a picture on the wall, and that was pretty excruciating. So,
0: Oh no, I'm sure. Yeah.
4: Did you get it done? I did. I did. Bad uh, boy. That when I was, I could not do it today, though. I'd promise you, I would not be. My stomach would. So say, we were in uh, Iowa no City pain.
1: once at a baseball tournament or a baseball series, and the 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 group of the. Our, our dining out group that we we're, were typically with, there were four of us. Uh, we had a, a coupon with, um, within the group that was a like a free like snack size wing, and so we're like none of us had tried the Blazin kind before, so it was a it was a table decision to to Just get the the, the 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 hottest Blazin wings that you could get, and it might only have been four wings, I don't know, but there there was enough for everybody to try one, and. You know, so we start going around and <laughs> passing them out, and you know, at the last second, one of the members of the travel party bailed out, and symbolic that he is the only member of the travel party to not be working with the University of Nebraska anymore. <laughs> um, he may or may not be occupied with a baseball game tonight
0: uh, at, no at, other at hands. the professional No other level. hands. <laughs> <laughs> I will not say I've, his name. But I've been to that. I have an the, idea. I've been to that BWs in Iowa City. You and I went together. Yeah, well, I think the last time we were there, because that's like you know when we get kind of wrapped up on a Friday night game. There's not a lot of stuff yep. open, and we knew that one would be, and we didn't think it was. Remember, we walked in, we're like, I think yeah. they're closed, and then they're like, No, no, we're still serving. So yep. So sure enough, everybody got it down except uh, that one
1: participant or non-participant, I should say. Yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I have still never had B dubs in my life you got what? to be kidding me. What? I am not kidding. Wait, what no, did you just no. say? Whoa. I have never are once you, been to B-dubs. Where are you from? Why? I is, I this I like, just is this like gone. a – I don't know. It's not, I'm not taking a stand against it or anything. I just have never gone. You have got to be kidding me. I am not kidding you. All right, this is we, worse
1: than Tim not seeing Moneyball. Oh, my God. <laughs>
5: it is.
0: We, it got to do, do a post-show run then someday. Okay, right? no, no. Here's what we're going to yeah. do.
1: Our next Beyond the Headlines, we need to get yeah. Austin – some Buffalo Wild Wings and try them on Absolutely. the air.
5: If yep. nothing else, I'll order them here for the show on Thursday. Just well, you better put the,
4: the order in on Wednesday because their service but isn't great. Here's the, <laughs> qu- here's the question. Do you go uh, bone-in or boneless, though? I think he's got to try both. I mean, I, I, this,
1: is, <laughs> yeah, get this him is a little a snack
0: pack of both. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
4: Okay. What, what type of
1: wing do you normally go for, Austin?
5: I'm not a big sauce guy. I can have a little bit, but more the the dry dry wings they, bar- they do have do have rubs yeah me, you won't do barbecue yeah i not i just i'm not that messy of an eater i don't like getting that messy I, i've never okay. been a big sauce guy on anything so i'm more you, i go more you thrubs. might
4: ask for the sauce on the side because they can get a little they can get a little aggressive with that sauce sometimes i'm no a little appalled right now to be honest with you
0: no garlic parmesan oh no. i love garlic parmesan that's <laughs> well there you go
4: yeah there's okay
0: Honey, they, they do a honey there, sauce. There
1: is there is a there is a menu of like, eighteen sauces on that baby. You got to find mm-hmm. one that you can try.
5: I'll skim through it for Wednesday slash Thursday. This, this
1: is unbelievable. <laughs> I, I can't believe what I I'm can't. Right yeah,
5: now. I really.
4: I'm kind of struck. I cannot.
5: This is
1: almost like right the time that my now wife had told me when we started dating she had never seen the movie Dumb and Dumber. I, I'm, I'm almost no. just as flabbergasted <laughs> now as I was then.
5: Wow, I feel like I accomplished something here tonight. You did. (laughs) (laughs) Another person who accomplished something over the weekend, Novak Djokovic. He defaulted at the U.S. Open by letting out some frustration and hitting a ball toward the wall, but he accidentally nailed a line judge right in the neck, (laughs) which was not good. He was contrite and everyone knew it was an accident, but it still results in an automatic ejection. So which is a worse ejection rule, the one that got Djokovic ejected from the U.S. Open or football's targeting rule? Targeting times 1,000.
0: I, I, I agree with what they did with Djokovic. You've got to be, as they say, you've got to be in control of your equipment, and you can't put anybody in danger. I mean, I, I don't think he meant to hit her, but he meant to swat the ball, obviously, some oh, way. Right. And so it hit him. <laughs> I, I have no problem with them disqualifying Djokovic from that. But the, the targeting rule is maddening in football. There's no doubt.
1: Oh, man. That just got her square in the oh. throat. Like... <laughs> Yeah. Sure did. And he thought on Mister Deeds when he, he's playing tennis and just
4: whacks <laughs> that dude right in the throat.
1: Oh, that one got you right in the throat, huh? Whoops.
4: <laughs> oh boy. All right. Uh, next topic. A little soccer question for you guys. Lionel Messi returned to training with Barcelona over the weekend after he came out and said that he was not going to take the club to court over his contract dispute. Uh, Messi will now most likely play his final season in a Barcelona uniform after an over-17-year career with him. Needless to say, it's going to be an awkward send-off for one of the game's greats. Uh, so what are you guys' thoughts on the story? And are there any other players across sports that you can remember that had some famous contract disputes or were kept oh, on yeah. a team that they didn't want to be on?
0: How does that affect our buy-sell question with that?
4: Uh, so a, it's going to be a sell because probably, he's not going to Manchester City now. Okay, so it's so a sell. Yeah. yeah, it'll be a I can't,
0: sell. I can't, I, I can't remember. It was like two weeks ago. It. I can't remember how I answered that. But uh, I think I bought it, and one of you
4: guys followed with me, so I'm sorry in advance to, to one of you guys. Probably me then. Yeah, I think but, it was whoops. me
1: actually.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, you've had athletes that have had kind of major divorces from franchises in the past. I mean, LeBron having the decision to go to Miami and then, that got awkward with his owner. But then he came back and played for the Cavs. That was certainly an oddity that you had. I mean, kind of the, the, the breakup of, of Peyton in your Colts, Austin. I mean, that, was not, that wasn't clean. And Brett, you know, Brett Favre with the Packers, that, was, that got ugly and nasty at the end when they drafted Rodgers. I mean, there's, there's a handful of those that kind of pop in your mind. I was thinking are you, are about you,
4: Emmett Smith, too, back in the 90s yep. with the when he had to sit out the first game. Austin, position.
0: are you over Manning leaving the Colts or not? Is that still stuck in your craw? Well,
5: it would have been nice to see him finish his career out, but also I you know, didn't have to watch old decrepit Peyton. I know he had that <laughs> whole year with the Broncos when he, he was absolutely money. That was he all was defense, great. though. And it was because he won a title that I can be at peace with it. You know, I was still rooting for him when he went to Denver and you know at that time Andrew Luck was the new hot shot so he had to wish Peyton all the best you can understand why the team made the decision it did would have been sad to see you know Peyton struggle because that team wasn't getting much better with how Ryan Grigson was building it so he went to a, a better situation for him he got another ring and that's all I could ask for very good all right, we will wrap up beyond the headlines with this. So today, Toronto slash Buffalo Blue Jays pitcher Taiwan Walker became the first player in the American Big Four sports leagues to have worn both numbers double zero and 99. If you guys could reserve two jersey numbers to wear at your discretion, what would they be and why? Hmm.
1: Yeah, he didn't pitch so well tonight. I think he walked like five jerseys.
5: <laughs> <get> <laughs> five walks hit by pitch, two hits, and only one run allowed. That's yeah. a
1: forgettable line. At one point in the game, this is kind of a crazy stat. At one point in the game, he faced 22 Yankees batters. 11 of them reached base, and oh. he didn't allow a run. How do you figure that? Wait. <laughs>
0: Had Baseball. to have some double plays in there or pickoff yeah. or something. Caught stealing. Had to be a bunch of that type of things. Mm. All right, what, what, what was the question again? Numbers. The, uh, jersey numbers. Two jersey numbers. You get to reserve
5: them, they're all yours.
0: When I was growing I'll, up, I loved the number 22. I, I don't know why. I didn't really have an athlete that I followed at war number 22, but I liked the double—the same number being doubled up.
4: Interesting. I'll uh, go I'll with take...
0: my f- – okay, that's one of yours. My, that's I'll one go
1: with – with, uh, my first baseball number was four, so I'll rock that one. You Good and Alex. I'll, I'll go four and I'll go
0: – what other number did I wear a lot? kind of feel like I had 12 a bunch, so I'll go four and 12. Give me seven. I'll go seven for my other one. Seven and 22. How about you, boys? I would go with eight and 14. Five was
5: my favorite number. I never ended up getting that except for one year of basketball. But my uh, sophomore year of varsity baseball, I got the number eight jersey. I carried that one through. Legion ball, I looked for that eight, couldn't get it. So I got number 14. And so I'd go with eight and 14. And funny enough, those are the two numbers my brothers got to wear this year. So that was pretty nice. cool. kept those in the family. So I'd go eight and 14.
4: Brett? Uh, I'd go 25 and 2, 25 just because I was oh. born on the 25th, so that was always the number for me. Also, I, I feel like, like the, I got 5 a bunch, Austin. I feel like that's another number I wore a lot. 4 and Five's 5. is another good one. I, I like the, the single-digit numbers for sports.
0: We think them up. We count them down. It's Top 10 Tuesdays on Sports Nightly. And with the NFL getting cranked up on a Thursday night with the Chiefs and Texans, we thought we would do an NFL-type uh, theme thing tonight. We're going with Power Rankings. Who are the 10 best teams in the NFL on the eve of their season? And, Ben, this one was your brainchild, so we're going to let you lead us off.
1: Yeah, happy to do it. Uh, my number 10 really um, – when I was kind of heading into this, I didn't think they would make my list, but I had a hard time finding a a worthy um, placeholder with with my number ten. Feel good about my top nine, but I think there's like five or six teams you could have put, you know, even in those last few spots. But number ten, and, and mostly just for the uh, kind of the the grudge factor, I've got I've got the Green Bay Packers here at number ten, um, just because I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be pretty displeased with everything that's happened um, with his front office this last offseason, them saying, we're going to draft you help on offense. We're going to draft all these weapons. We're going to get you some help. After everything that had uh, transpired on the field with Green Bay last year, if it wasn't for Aaron Jones's emergence, they wouldn't have had much. Not only did they not draft him help, they drafted his replacement yeah. with, uh, with Jordan Love from Utah State. So – I've got Green Bay here. I don't think Aaron Rodgers liked that too much, and I think they got a chance to be okay on defense. Not spectacular, but
0: I'm going Green Bay number 10. It's interesting because as I was researching this today and compiling a bunch of people's thoughts about this, one guy, and it's a pretty prominent sports site, had Green Bay number two in his power rankings, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I ain't doing that. So thank you. Interesting you had him at 10. All right, Austin. All right, it's not a homer pick if it's true. I've got my
5: Colts up here at number 10. I I trust the defense is going to play more like it did the first seven weeks. I'm getting to getting old Phil, you know, but last year, the Colts started out five and two. And then T.Y. Hilton got nicked up. The defense got beat up a little bit in the back end. Jacoby Brissett completely fell off a cliff. And that's where the show's favorite quarterback, Phillip Rivers, comes into play. And I'm not sold on him, you know, returning to all pro form but if he can at least keep the offense steady and consistent I think the addition of DeForest Buckner is going to be a big deal I think Tennessee is just a worse Houston, a worse version of Seattle Houston is pretty much Deshaun Watson and maybe J.J. Watt right now it's a winnable division and I'm I'm riding with my guys in the number 10 spot
1: if you're a fan of interceptions and tears after interceptions Phillip oh, Rivers geez. is
5: your guy sounds like I'm going to have to get acclimated <laughs> I think he's better than Ben does
0: by the way, Austin. <laughs> I Kirk.
1: think he's a Hall of Famer. I just think he's he's going to be the first ever crybaby into the Hall of Fame in Canton, oh my Ohio. Gosh. Wow.
0: <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Well, Ben had Green Bay at 10. I have Tampa Bay at 10. The rebuilt box with Tom Brady, Gronkowski, a uh, bunch of Huskers on that team with Sue and Levante David and Khalil Davis. I'm going to be rooting for him because of all the Huskers connection there. And I think there's going to be some life in that organization. And Bruce Arians, I think, is a is a really good football coach. So I think Tampa's got a chance to make some noise. I got him at 10. Very good. Uh, My number nine, I've got the Buffalo Bills. I'm not really sold
1: on Josh Allen just yet. I got to see a little more. Um, I'm I'm excited for a couple of their additions. Stephon Diggs, how does he fit in that offense? He's probably going to take some targets away from John Brown, who emerged uh, and had a, a great year last year for Buffalo. And I'm excited to see Zach Moss, rookie running back from Utah. I think Devin Singletary is kind of a meh option at this point. He's got some fumbleitis issues, it sounds like in camp, so I think he's going to get a fair shake. And I love Buffalo's defense. And I think this is the time where that franchise is kind of salivating, and go. We can. This is the year we can take over New England if we really want to. So I kind of feel like there's a there's a decent hunger level in Buffalo right now. Uh, made the, made the playoffs last year, obviously, and I think they're they're gonna take a little bit of a step forward this year. So I like the Bills at nine.
5: What do you What do you love more, the Bills defense or Buffalo Wild Wings? Um, Buffalo
1: Wild Wings, because I actually enjoy that. I don't. I mean, like, I, I, like I, I, you appreciate in, the Bills, I'm, defense. yeah. I'm in, I'm indifferent on yeah. You know the Bills defense in my thoughts. I I think they're good, but you know I can do without.
5: Fair enough. I could have gone without putting Tampa Bay up here at number nine, but I think they're going to be good. Not, not quite elite. I have them a step below. I don't quite trust all those pieces coming together in a year like this one, but they're going to be a lot better than they have been, good enough for my number nine.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm, 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 I've got the Bills at my nine as well. Um, I think defensively they're one of the elite teams in the NFL I think Allen is serviceable at quarterback I don't think he's a Super Bowl quarterback but he's serviceable enough to win that division so I've got Buffalo at nine all
1: right very good on to number eight I've got my second and final NFC North here I've got Minnesota here at number eight I think Yannick Ngakwe was a great sign by them I love Minnesota's defense again I'm not infatuated with Kirk Cousins but I think he's made, made it some some steps forward. And if Dalvin Cook can stay healthy like he did a year ago, we've seen what what a team, what a Minnesota team that can, can run the ball consistently looks like. Again, no Stephon Diggs, which ties into my number nine. Um, but I like Adam Thielen a lot, eager to see what Justin Jefferson can do, the rookie from LSU. Uh, I, I like Minnesota. I've got them number eight.
5: Number eight, for me, I go back to the AFC. This is where I have Pittsburgh. It was a really solid defense last year. T.J. Watt was an absolute monster, absolutely betrayed by the quarterbacking situation. I don't think Ben Roethlisberger is going to bounce back to his prime or his peak years, but if he can at least make that offense respectable, especially with you know Juju Smith-Schuster and James Conner, take a little bit of the load off of those guys. So still have Pittsburgh back in the AFC North race. I don't think they're quite good enough to win it, but I think they're good enough to challenge a forthcoming team
0: well put all right i go with another longtime uh nfl super bowl winning franchise i've got the dallas cowboys in my number eight um i think we were surprised we were doing the face-off several months ago and the leading passer in the nfl last year was dax prescott uh, i think he's found a home i think dallas has made some tweaks to their system to try to make take advantage of him a little bit more ezekiel elliott's one of the top backs in the in the league so um I got Dallas, number eight.
1: Okay. My number seven, I'm going to the Pacific Northwest. I've got Seattle here at number seven. Dane's Russ is worth a couple of wins just just by himself, finally getting Chris Carson healthy. I think they got an interesting receiver duo with one of the biggest receivers in the league in DK Metcalf and one of the smallest receivers in the league in Tyler Lockett. Um, Their defense, you know, is going to be stout, led by Bobby Wagner in the middle. Probably not as good as those Legion of Boom defenses, but I think they're going to be solid. And I think Pete Carroll's a decent coach. Really tough division, but I think Seattle's probably uh, second best in that division and good enough to make the playoffs. So I've got Seahawks here at seven.
5: My number seven was Ben's number eight. This is where I've got the purple people here. I've got the Vikings up here adding Gawkway was big. Justin Jefferson's a big question mark. Adam Thielen and Kyle Rudolph need a little bit of help. If they run play action every play and avoid Monday nights, Kirk Cousins is fine. You (laughs) ask him to do anything more than that, and you're asking for a little bit of trouble. But I think they'll give Green Bay a solid push, if not win the division. That's rather my number seven.
0: Didn't we we had this... uh highest-paid rate, highest uh, paid athletes in the world list, and Kirk Cousins was, I think, the highest-paid NFL guy in 2020. Yeah, crazy. Just, yeah, <laughs> it sure is. All right, my number seven was Ben's 10. Here's why we've got Green Bay. A little higher on him than maybe Ben was, but I think there's some dysfunction. I think there's some unhappy Packers, and either Aaron Rodgers wants to prove him wrong and play incredible football, or he gets a little pouty, and it doesn't go so well for them. Big Week One matchup with Green Bay and Minnesota will be fun to watch, but I got Green Bay at seven.
1: Yeah, I'm not sold on on Coach Lafleur. I mean, I I mean, obviously his style, it, it's probably been proven to work. But with what you came in and what parts you inherited with Devontae Adams and and uh, Aaron Rodgers, I mean that's that's a pretty solid duo to start all right anyway my number six here here i've got tennessee i've got i like the titans a lot obviously bringing in Jadavian Clowney really going to bolster that defense that, that was already really stout a year ago uh ryan Tannehill, when he took over things started going a lot better for tennessee once a mariota uh experiment kind of failed he's now in vegas with the raiders derrick henry obviously one of the best running backs in the nfl I love A.J. Brown a lot. I think he is a a bona fide star in this league, and I think they're pretty good up front. So I like Tennessee a lot. I like Coach Patricia. Um, They obviously performed well in the playoffs last year. Shocking a a team later on my list, but I, I like the Titans here at six. Plus they got Will Compton, so bonus points.
5: I like Will Compton. I don't like the Titans. They did not make my list out of spite, but they're they're probably top ten. Probably could have reshuffled <laughs> a little bit. But I got Greg's number eight up here at my number six. This is where I have at Dallas. The offense is looking scary. That offensive line is still solid. Obviously, Prescott and Elliott there. But the receiving trio of Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and C.D. Lamb at wide receiver is, on paper, one of the best in football as soon as Dallas got Cooper last year you could just see a a flip switch for Dak Prescott he has even more options to spread it to now I think the defense has to improve a little bit but I think Dallas is going to be a big factor in that NFC East division
0: well I kind of flip with you because I go Pittsburgh in my six you had him earlier Austin I think Roethlisberger settles him down I think he's a winner He's got a couple Super Bowl rings. I think he'll give them some stability at that position. I think the world of Mike Tomlin, I think they are going to be back playing sound football. Pittsburgh's always a tough out. I think they will be this year as well. That's why I've got the Cedars at six. All
1: right. My five has been mentioned by both of you. I'm a little higher on both. I've got Dallas here at five. Dak obviously signed his big deal. I'm with Austin. I think uh, Ezekiel Elliott's going to get a lot of attention, as he should, but Uh, I think Michael Gallup is is probably the hidden gem of that group. I don't know that he gets talked about enough. And I like Blake Jarwin at the tight end position. That's another guy that I don't think uh, teams are going to account for when when it comes to having that guy that can uh, be that X factor across the middle. Jason Witten no longer a Dallas Cowboy. He's in Vegas as well. Uh, Dak led the NFL in passing last year. I think their defense is better, a little worried about – Parts that are secondary, but I think they're going to be fine. I, I like Dallas a lot. I got them at five. All right. and moving. When I say I like them a lot, I don't like the team. I mean, <laughs> I, I like. I think they're good. You America's appreciate.
0: team. Ben's on America's team. <laughs>
5: I go to the other side of that 80s and 90s NFC rivalry here for my number five. I've got the 49ers up here. It's, it's a little difficult, I thought, to not have them a little bit higher. But they have some questions on offense. I'm still not completely sold on Jimmy GQ. I think Kyle Shanahan can scheme a lot up, as we saw last year. Um, but they lose to Forrest Buckner and Sheldon Day out of the middle of that defensive line. Still have whichever Bosa's there, Nick Bosa. I think. Yeah, Nick that's Bosa correct. in San Francisco. So they're still good. I think they're about as good as Seattle. I think that's going to be a fun divisional race to watch.
0: I'm, I'm right there with you. I've got the Niners at five. It's hard to put the team that won the NFC that low on the list, but I, I just think that they it all kind of came together for them last year. They were really good. It's hard to duplicate that back-to-back years, and that's coming from a Chiefs fan who saw the Chiefs go from the AFC title game to win the Super Bowl the next year but I just think there's going to be some stumbling blocks for the 49ers. That's why I've got them this low at number five.
1: Uh, yeah, for the record, I think every team has holes. So I, while I do like t- these teams, there's uh, even these next four all have holes. I've got New Orleans here at number four. Drew Brees has got a wet noodle for an arm, but he, you know he's still highly effective when he does throw the ball. He's got a great surrounding cast with Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. Um, they've got a machine going in New Orleans. I think their defense is kind of sneaky good, too. Um, so I, I like the Saints quite a bit. I think the division is more than winnable for them. I think they're by far the favorite in that division. And so for that reason alone, I think they're going to give a playoff spot and a chance to make a run in the playoffs. I like New Orleans uh, here. The one thing we do about know about New Orleans, though, is they can't win in the playoffs. They can get there pretty easily, but for whatever reason, they've kind of got that black eye that they, they can't win the big one.
0: Well, if they get a call, if they get a pass interference call, right?
1: Or just not let Kirk Cousins motor right down the field on you.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, I've seen that New Orleans can win in the playoffs. It happened back in 2011, and it made me very, very sad. But, you know, I'm over it. Childhood trauma repressed. Moving on to my number four, Ben Had at number seven. This is where I've got Seattle. They remind me a lot of Georgia from college football. If they modernize, they might be able to take that next step again. Russell Wilson could use another target on offense. Ben mentioned a couple receivers. Will Disley at tight end might be good. The defensive line, I think, needs a little bit of help, but the back seven on defense is so good. You can tell Pete Carroll knows what he's doing and coaching up the linebackers and the defensive backs. And, you know, it's a team that's constantly in the conversation. They're a team that's won a lot recently, and I think that gives them a little bit of an edge over San Francisco in that division.
0: Okay. I line up with Ben on my four. I've got the Saints here. I I think that Drew Brees has one more curtain call in him. I think they can, they've can. they got plenty of parts around him. Michael Thomas is so good on the outside for them. And I think it's just been kind of dumb luck for them sometimes in the playoffs. I think New Orleans is going to have a big year. I've got them at four. All right, on to the top three. My number three, I've got Baltimore. I, I
1: I, mean, obviously they're good, and Lamar Jackson's good. Can I? Do I think he replicates what he do, did last year? No. Do I think he's still going to be – a very good NFL quarterback, way better than average. Yes, I do. Uh, their running back situation is interesting with uh, with Mark Ingram, and then drafting J.K. Dobbins. Uh, Baltimore was the team that ran the ball most in the NFL last year. Big reason why was the was the way that Lamar Jackson ran with his legs. Uh, I think defensively, they're good. I don't know that they're elite defensively. And, and I, you know, Pittsburgh's going to give them problems in that division. So I do like Baltimore, or yeah, I like Baltimore. I like I like the way their offense is shaped. I think, um, you know, last year they they were unbelievable. But I, I'm I, I need to see a little more. But they are the team that scare me the most right now in the AFC
5: number three for me was the team you guys had at number four this is where i've got new orleans it's a super tough division down there in the nfc south but like you said craig new orleans is the machine i have no worries about them keeping on trucking right through it
0: okay my number three i've got um the seattle seahawks here at number three i i just think that they're lined up russell wilson is probably in peak form now i think he's has been a leader of a team that's gotten to the super bowl i think that they've got parts they are a little old school i get all that i just think that you get into some nasty weather in seattle in december that plays into their kind of style of football a little bit um i think they'll win enough to have home field and they are my my top team in the nfc i've got seattle at three all right on to the
1: top two um i think if you follow along this no surprise here i've got one of the Super Bowl participants here at number two, San Francisco. I think they, they found their niche. I think that they found what they want to do. The biggest concern with me is what they do at running back. I, I'm i a little little worried about, about that. I'm a little worried about their receiving situation with Debo Samuel coming off an injury. I think Shanahan is very creative offensively, and I think they're going to be very good defensively, almost elite, probably a, a top three, top four defense in the NFL. So it's a great place to start. I don't think they need to do anything crazy offensively. Um, I mean, you think about the way that they, those guys beat Minnesota, uh, just ground and pound. So I'm intrigued to see how San Francisco follows it up. Part of me is a little bit on the same page as Greg that I think they, they just got hot, but I do think there's still a lot to like about their team. So I've got the Niners here, and, and I'm giving it a little bit of benefit of the doubt for playing in the Super Bowl. So I got the Niners at two
5: number two for me is baltimore this is where i've got the ravens they played the chiefs tough last year and i think their style of play presents some issues the chiefs still aren't necessarily built to stop the run they came up with stops when they had to and that's something i don't think baltimore's offensive ceiling is nearly as high as the chiefs because they're running the ball that's not nearly as efficient a way to put points up on the board But I think Lamar Jackson's good. He'll regress a little bit but still be solid. The defense is going to be, I think, better than you're giving credit for. Ben, it was really good last year. I think it'll stay that good. But there's still one team ahead of them, and (laughs) there are reasons for that.
0: I'm with you. I've got Baltimore too. I, I I thought last year they were the best team in the league, and I was so relieved being a Chiefs fan that Tennessee knocked them out uh, in, in the second round so that the Chiefs didn't have to play them uh lamar jackson's confidence grew by leaps and bounds i think he'll continue to get better as a quarterback they're awfully good on defense and uh, to me uh, i had a hard time not putting them in the one hole but the fan in me kept them out of the one hole but i think they're one worthy there's no doubt i got baltimore too i over the crap out of it and i'm not sorry
1: for it kansas city (laughs) number one defending champs they're number one until someone beats them um They've got a lot back. They have they've I mean, they've they've kept, you know, pretty much everybody on offense, which is amazing. I know Damian Williams is sitting out uh and opting out this year. Big opportunity for the rookie that they drafted in the first round, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. But yeah, bring it on. I'm ready for Houston on, on Thursday and you know, ready to hashtag run it back with the uh, with the Chiefs.
5: I busted that one surprise earlier in the show. I am out of surprises. Kansas City's my number one as well.
0: Yeah, for all the reasons you guys said, we make it a clean sweep. You, the, the best player in the league right now is Patrick Mahomes, and when you have him, you got to ride that. They're also – it could go one of two ways. Either they just steamroll everybody because now they truly believe they are champions, or, because, or they've gotten a little fat and, and sassy because of all the new contracts for Mahomes and Kelsey and even Andy Reid and, and Brett Veach, the, the GM, and Chris Jones got his money. Either they're a little fat and sassy and drop games they shouldn't because they're sloppy, or their confidence level is so sky high that they just roll people. It'll be interesting to follow, but until they show they're not what they were last January and February, you got to put them in the one hole.